Hello, my friends, and welcome uh, to the first official podcast of 2022. Uh, we had two late uh, late entries in Christmas Fest of 2021, which were absolutely fantastic. Al and Jenny just killed that series. They've already got plans for for. Well, I was going to say next year, but technically it's this year, and I cannot wait to see what uh, what they have planned for us on the next one. Um, if you guys haven't had a chance to go check out this podcast, you absolutely need to. Um, and uh, yeah, we are very excited to be back to be to be back. Good lord, excuse me. Um, <laughs> uh, my voice sounds a little odd. I am just now getting over a cold. I, please excuse me on that. Um, I know I'm going to sound pretty nasally on this one, but. Uh, yeah, we are we are very excited to be back. We're very excited for 2022. We've got a lot of really cool plans for this year. Um, the first big one, of course, is uh, Mon Alice podcast of the Star Wars EU or EU review, um, which is going to be great starting later this month. Um, and we've got a lot of really cool things planned for that one. So, but uh, we're going to jump right into our starter for the year um, by looking back at the past. First, you know, doing 2021 um, as a year in review. And um, we're basically going to be talking about just the different categories, different things that happened this year. Just, you know, jumping right in. Uh, we're going to start off with our favorite movies of the year. Um, we're going to try to be decently spoiler free on some of the newer entries if we can't. No, we're not. Okay, never mind then. Um, so if someone mentions something that you want to check out, um, just run. Um, so, uh, but if I'm talking, it's going to be spoiler free. Uh, if Josh says anything, just stop. Just shut the podcast off, apparently. I'm not promising um, that. I'm not. Um, okay. But, uh, but yeah, so we're going to jump right we're into. We're in a whole new year. Okay. I, they, if you they, haven't seen Spider-Man No Way Home by now, I don't know. Look, you're probably not going. They had their chance. Exactly. That movie's made like $3 billion already. Like, if you haven't seen it by now, I don't know what to do for you. Well, on that note, Al, what was your favorite movie of the year? Hold on. Oh, Hold on. Oh, you didn't introduce oh. us. You did. You're, you're right. Excuse no me. I, I am sorry. What I am in the world? They so don't sorry. Know, they, they you're right. No who's, who's you're, you're right. I'm, I'm just skipping decorum entirely, you know. Um, all right. Let's well, starting off. No, we're not going to do that. Rotten we're we're, 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 we're going to give her a second. Yes. We're going to give her a second. She, she's <laughs> snacking. Uh, starting us off. The uh, the man who always keeps me honest, uh, my brother, the wise sage, Josh. Josh, how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing man? real good. I'm doing good. Real, you're, real good. You're glad to be seen. I'm you glad know, to be seen. And, I'm yeah, glad respected. That, you know, I'm glad to be more than just, you know, part of Jacob Vance, Harstey, and the Supremes. You know? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> also, we have, uh, through the magic of Skype coming with us, uh, Alyssa. Alyssa, how you doing tonight, dear? I'm doing pretty well. Good, good. Uh, Al, we also have the Red Lanyard. Al, you doing all right, man? Oh, that's me. I'm I'm ready to enter 2022, bright eyed and ready to to mingle. Yeah. Whoa! Wow. <laughs> bright eyed and ready to mingle. Whoa! And then, of course, we also have with us uh, Jenny. I'm in Raven. Jenny, how you doing tonight? I'm great. Doing yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. Um, as Josh has already said, uh, I am Jacob Vance Harsty, the editor-in-chief here. These are the Supremes. Um, no, no. Uh, We've all left this back. Okay, yeah, yeah. Every, everyone's done. The podcast is over now. Um, no one wants to see you, Otis. 
But yes, as as previously stated, uh, we are going to jump right into favorite favorite films of the year. Al, what was your favorite movie of the year, my man? Oh boy. Well, uh, this will probably uh, go to shock everybody um, who regularly listens um, to this podcast or who knows me at all. But um, I'm going to have to go with Spider-Man. Um, what? Yeah. Right. It's crazy. Um, and I'll be honest, it came out so late in the year that it there's a fair chance that I'm going to say it's my favorite film of 2022 as well. Ooh. I could do an Oscars thing and just include all the December films. Um, but um, yeah, like as a Spider-Man fan, as a devoted fan of the MCU for the last however many years it is now, last 15 years or whatever ridiculous amount it is. Um, I mean, I can't think of of a film with more heart and um, and better execution, honestly, for trying to do something so huge and with so many um, potential roadblocks and obstacles and and so many things that could have gone wrong or or not been handled well. Uh, for it to come out and to be as good as it was, um, and to be just just a Spider-Man film that was made for fans of Spider-Man. Um, yeah, like no other films. I liked a lot of stuff that came out this year, but like no other films really had a fair chance um, with me. It, it was, it was almost sad in hindsight to go back through the movies that could have challenged uh, um, Spider-Man for it and just be like, no, I'm sorry, kid. You just, you don't have the juice. <laughs> It's it, it's hard to go up against Spider Man. It, it just is, in, in general, really, but especially especially No Way Home. Um, obviously, perfect pick, uh, Alyssa. What is what is your pick for movie of the year? Okay, so just a heads up about all of my picks for the year. Um, those of you who know me know that I struggle a little bit with hyperfixation, and so if it didn't happen like within the last month, it just didn't <laughs> happen. Um, that said, I really loved the Black Widow movie, um, but probably my pick for this year would actually be The Kingsman. Um, that was the first time I have gone to the theater and seen something that was not a Marvel movie in years, um, or just not a superhero movie in general in years. So I really enjoyed that one. And it was one of those like, huh. I'm going to be thinking about this movie for a few days here, I think, afterwards. So it was cool. And that came out, we saw that right at the end of December. Um, so I think that's why it's kind of sitting right there in my brain. But it was a good, good, solid movie. You don't really need the background of the other Kingsman movies to understand it. So it was a good one. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I've only seen the first one. I really like the first one, so I really like the style that they go for. So I'm actually, I was kind of intrigued to watch that one, especially because uh, I love uh, Ralph Fiennes is in this one, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 And I, I just, he's he's always great. So I was I was really kind of wanting to watch that anyway, just for him. So. so yeah. 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 I mean, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you oh man this was like the best movie of 2021 but it was just a good solid action flick 
Um, it was, I, I'm a sucker for Marvel movies. Everyone knows that, but it was just a very good, solid movie. And it was kind of refreshing to see something outside of the superhero universes that we love so much. So. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would recommend it. It's, it's good, clean fun. Well, well, it's not, well. but <laughs> it's good fun. It's, it's, it's good fun, it's, but it's some fun. It's got, got Rasputin um, fighting in the style of the ballet dancer. I mean, what more do you need yeah. out of a movie? That's a trigger warning for violence and implied sexual stuff. So, gotcha. Interesting. Yeah, it, it happens, you know. It happens. That, it's, 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 it, it, it's Rasputin, Rasputin falls is, under both of those categories. <laughs> yes. he was the love of the Russian queen. You know, Rasputin is in the category of both violence and implied sexual stuff. So, I yeah. what what more do you need? What more <laughs> do you need, Josh? What about you, my friend? What was your pick for movie of the year? Um, you know, I mean, I I I, I think. My favorite movie was probably Spider-Man No Way Home, uh, and I really like Black Widow too. Uh, but I'm but since I feel like those are about to get talked about uh, along with Shang Chi, um, I'm I'm going to take this opportunity to talk about Encanto because Encanto was fantastic. Okay. And oh, like, it was so good. Like it's just a, like you know one of the, it's one of the few. I think I think Disney kind of has been in a bit of a slump. Uh, in my opinion, I, I I thought Frozen Two was good, not great. You know, uh, how dare you? I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> and like, you know, uh, just you know, some of the Pixar movies haven't hit me as much as I thought they would. Um, Get out. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but uh, Encanto, man, was just great. And you know, another one of my favorite movies this year was was In the Heights, which was also a, a you know. A, a Lynn Manuel Miranda, you know, special. Cool. Um, but this one, of course, I, I really think Encanto does uh, does some stuff that uh, really matters because it's a kids' movie about really about generational family trauma, which just is like just a really like something that 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 I'm not I'm not even going to say like you know it, it, it it's just not the type of subject matter you would expect in a kids movie and yet there was no there was no part of this movie where i thought like that might be a little heavy for children you know mm. um because the way it's presented through all the powers that the uh that, that the family has uh it just makes for great visual representations of the issues that that you might go through in a family that you know in a, in a traumatic family experience. Um, I, I, I think it's, it's fantastic. It was one that uh, when I watched it one time, I was like, I'm going to watch it again. Um, all the music is extremely catchy. I mean, if you're, you're on TikTok at all, you, you've, you've, you've not talked about Bruno already, mm. um, you know, but, uh, but that, that song's great, but uh, every, every song and it's really good um there's just some really fun behind the scenes stuff with uh, lin-manuel miranda where he's talking about his uh, inspiration for writing all these songs um and like how he was like you know trying to incorporate as much of the of the uh musical heritage uh into these songs and everything uh, also did not know you know i mean we, we see stephanie uh, beatrice singing in the heights but 
she sings a lot in Encanto, and she's really, really good in it. I did not know she had that in her. Um, so yeah, so that once again, that lady can do everything. Sure. Um, but yeah, that movie. Uh, that, that's just you know, like I said, it, it might not be my favorite movie, but when I think of twenty twenty one, that's going to be a movie I think of. Absolutely. Okay. Nice. I I have not watched it yet. I, yeah, I need I to. There's a lot of failures. I need to. A lot. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I'm glad Alyssa's not a failure. Though. Yeah, Alyssa's not a failure. Yeah. Um, good job, Alyssa. Good job, Alyssa. Yep. Yeah. I don't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I didn't fail at, but I'm just I'm gonna take <laughs> that. Watch Encanto. Or is it Encanto or Encanto? I think it's Encanto. Encanto. Yeah. Okay. You watched yeah. Encanto, and that that made you not a failure. So congratulations. Um, it was a beautiful movie. Moving moving on, Jenny, your film of the year. So. This is this is really it. It was hard, but not really, because there were so many good films this year. Um, like you know, there was a uh, Black Widow, which um, it's so hard for me not to say Black Widow. Mm-hmm. But I have right? to be true. Yeah, it was really hard for me not to say it because I waited for that movie for so long, and it was amazing. But I have to say, Spider Man, no way. Go, go with Spider Man yes, as well. Gotcha. Okay. Um, it just like exceeded all expectations. Um. Little baby Andrew. I was gonna say little baby Andrew, but then I was, but then I was like, I'm yeah. trying to avoid spoilers. No, no, go but, ahead. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, once again, how do you not know? Well, <laughs> anyway, but yeah, little baby Andrew. Little baby Andrew. Um, yeah. yeah, I just like I, I that movie was just everything I needed in my life. Um, Sitting, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. It actually made my life complete, to be honest. I don't really know where to go from here now. I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I, I feel bad for other people. Okay. Because they watched this movie without sitting next to you when Mary Jane fell. Mm. <laughs> and the thing is, is that I think the only other time I have felt that from you was when we were on that roller coaster together. Oh, yeah. Um, when she fell, and then he gets hit by Green Goblin, and then Andrew jumps, mm. and then... Like you were screaming, everyone was screaming. We were all screaming. We we had a very um, energetic theater, which yeah. I was happy about. Um, and then he catches her. And yeah, it's just like wow. I I'll, I'll cry talking. Yeah, about it again. yeah. Anyway, so so we're gonna yeah. Yeah, but we we all know uh, if you listen to the Spider-Man spoiler cast. Um, yeah, it was great. Um, I also just love how everybody that used to talk shit about Andrew Garfield being Spider-Man is now like, oh my god, he's so, so like, great. Oh, he's so great, like, yeah. Yes, but... he is, bitch. Like, sorry. Mm. No. No, 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 you're right. Sorry, Jenny. Listen, Jenny, Jenny has been on the Amazing Spider-Man 3 train for as long as there's been Amazing Spider-Man. That's true. It took so. Tom Holland like two movies to convince yeah. me that he was worth it. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah. <coughs> yeah. Anyway, so that's that. Gotcha, yeah. I, I actually remember being in Denny's of all places when Tom Holland was cast and you were like, Oh, I don't think I was quiet the rest you, of the you, night. You, you were like, like, he'll be all, he might be all right. He, he might he might be all right. And that, 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 that's all you said. And like, we're not talking like, like a like a teaser image. We're talking like him doing the flip and hey everyone, you know, after he grabs the shield and just he might be all right. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. And yeah, I, was, uh, I, was still, I was pretty hard. Yeah, you him. were you were very much in the Andrew Garfield yeah. field, which which. As much buzz as that's getting, that is a heavy possibility. So we're, here's so. make really <laughs> make a Spider-Man three happen. Let's hashtag that. Um, so my film of the year, um, there were a lot of a lot of great ones. Um, 
No Way Home was obviously a big one. Shang-Chi was, was a really big one for me because that one was just so much fun. Um, Black Widow is a movie that I don't understand how it gets any kind of hate at all. Um, it's a nearly a perfect film in my opinion. Um, however, Josh already mentioned it. Um, my film of the year because every, everything that I am picking this year is something that genuinely moved me emotionally. And that's not to say that the other movies didn't, but I remember running the gamut of every single emotion imaginable walking in the Heights Actually, I think in the very spot I'm sitting in, and, uh, you know, if, if you haven't had a chance to watch it, you absolutely have to. It's on HBO, I think, already now. Or, I think so. Or if we're, it, it will be soon. Um, uh, worst Case Scenario, it's, it's on Blu-ray. Um, it was a really great movie. But it is, it's such a, it's such a good one. It's Lin-Manuel Miranda, like, like, you, like Josh already said, um, he does so good with just the music, just these, the way that he gets certain beats to just stick in your head, certain, certain small little melodies that just, yeah. Like you have to, you have to Bob, even, even as you're talking about it, cause you're thinking about the music he's created. Um, and it's, it's rare to see a creator genuinely hit that kind of spark and then keep going. Cause for a lot of people don't know that that was one of his earliest creations. Um, and then he just kept going, and then Hamilton, Moana, and Kanto, um, you know, just everything the man touches is pretty much fantastic in my opinion. So yeah, it, in the Heights is 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 my my film of the year. Um, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to give too much away, but you've 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 got to go check it out. Um, Blackout's going to be stuck in your head forever because um, it's still stuck in my head now, and uh, as is uh, ninety six thousand, which. Yes, pretty much lives there rent free. I'm not gonna lie, but uh, yeah, we are. So that does it for movies. Kind of, kind of strange. No, nobody mentioned Dune. That was that was interesting. Dune, Dune was, was up there fantastic. too. Dune yeah. was up there too. It's just that's just how good the movies were this year. Yeah, yeah. Like we it's said, 2020 year. was awful. So let's make all the greatest movies in 2021. Mm-hmm. That yeah, yeah. So, no one mentioned Matrix. Yeah. I I didn't watch it yet. Yeah, there's uh, a reason why no. Al, did you There's watch a reason Matrix? why nobody mentioned Matrix. <laughs> did, did you watch it, Al? Yeah. I've, 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 tried, to, yeah. I've, I've tried to watch it three times to keep falling asleep. So I'm not. Aww, yeah. I love Keanu, though. I do love Keanu. I feel so no, bad. No, it makes me sad. I'm trying he, to get he's through He's the type of actor, like, every time he says something, I want to like it. Well, because of him. Exactly. And, like, he, 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 went on, he went on several talks. He was like, and I'll do this character for as long as they want me to. So I'm like, I'm like okay. For you, Keanu, I'm going to try to get through this, you know, freshman level philosophy course for you. You know, and like, it's just, it just doesn't, I can't do it. I just, I just can't. Sweet baby Keanu. Sweet baby Keanu. Uh, Josh, we're actually going to start with you for the next category. Cool. What's the category? Uh, favorite game of the year. Ooh, favorite game of the year. Um, I actually want to. I, I kind of want to go off on a little bit of a tangent here because I gotta. That's all I like give, you. Well, yeah. <laughs> <that's funny. laughs> uh, I gotta give Al a little bit of credit here um, because when we were talking about, uh, we've we talked about video games several times on on this podcast, and then me and Al have argued about video games several times off of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if this has actually come up on the podcast or not, but Al is a really big proponent of indie games. Yes. And I am apparently the 
Um, Are you the AAA monster? I'm is the AAA that... capitalist EA. <laughs> oh, okay, monster. gotcha. Oh, um, crazy. I love, I love Red Redemption. I love God of War. I love, um, you know, Last of Us 2. All these really big, you know, lots of money went into these games, okay? Um, 2021 was interesting because I do think for the first time, and a lot of this is, a lot of this is just from the fact that you you did have you did have COVID push a lot of things back. Um, but 2021 is interesting because really for the first time in a long while, um, there wasn't a huge AAA game for me to get behind. I mean, you did have Resident Evil Village, um, but I mean, like a big like there wasn't a Red Dead Redemption Two, there wasn't a God of War or anything like that. The game that was supposed to do that was Cyberpunk, which technically yeah. came out last year, but was supposed to be the game of the year this year. And just kind of was was a huge disappointment. Fizzled? And, yeah, fizzled. And I think I, I don't want to speak too much about that, you know, and like and like read too much into that. But the fact that that game, which was a can't miss game, you know, has you know has, will, will go down history as one of the biggest missteps that's ever happened. I think it is indicative of a lot of of a, a lot of companies stepping back and going, can we do this as well, only smaller? And when you look at a game like Sifu, which is coming out, which is really a small game. I mean, but it's probably the one that people are most excited about right now, or at least one I'm very excited about. I'm down you for it. Look at a game like uh, Little Devil Inside, um, mm. which is which is an indie game that's taken them about four years to 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 do and stuff like that. Um, you even look at something like Guardians of the Galaxy, which was essentially, you know, Square being like, let's just do a let's just do a small story based game, and it's it's been it, it was more successful than Avengers was. Mm. Um, so so basically, I gotta give I gotta give Al a little credit here. Like he he's kind of seen where things are going, you know, uh, in a way I didn't, um, and so I don't know where AAA games are going to be. I know you've got God of War two, uh, you know, coming out this year. I know you got Horizon Zero Dawn. But the other thing I got to give out credit for is both of those games have been moved back substantially. And one of the reasons for that was because of the concept of crunch that came up as well throughout 2020 and 2021. And so you've got two games that were supposed to come out last year. And because of everyone jumping down, you know, rightfully so jumping down these companies' throats, for overworking their employees, you've got these games that have been moved back, and their main reason they're saying is like, "Look, we're trying to do this the right way now." Um, so I do, I do wonder, you know, if uh, we're going to see slower releases and slower release schedules now. Um, and I, I, I don't know if that's going to be good or bad, but I just think that's a place it's going to go. And I gotta give Al some credit uh, for seeing that before I did. Now he's now, going to be impossible to live with now. Well, that's fine. I mean, that, he's right? already impossible to live with. Now that being said, I want to talk about Pokemon Snap for a bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so Pokemon Snap was game came out really early on in the year. I think it came out in April. Was it April or March? Oh, Maybe, was, it, sure? was it sooner than that? Might have been. I don't know. It was early in the year. Um, because and I know it's early in the year because all of us have been discussing the fact that we thought it came out last year, but it did come out this year. Um, Pokemon Snap. You know, here's the thing about Pokemon Snap. It's not a it's not a world breaking type game. Okay, it's it's not it's not gonna. You know, I, I would be amazed if it's on anyone else's top 10, uh, you know, of the year, anyone else at all, okay? But it was so much, it was, I can just so great to have that game back in my life, because I love the Nintendo 64 Pokemon Snap, um, and bringing and bringing this one into the fold, and basically just making it bigger, 
um, and having, you know, having all these different Pokemon in it and the fact that they are still doing uh, DLC for it that's free. Um, I just love the game. And it, and the thing about the, the games this year that I, that I enjoyed the most were Pokemon Snap, Animal Crossing, and Hades, okay? And the reason I loved all three of those games so much is because they're all just extremely relaxing games. Um well, hey, hey, how is Hades relaxing? Well, I mean, I mean, okay, yeah, I, I get, I get real frustrated with Hades, but hey, but Hades is if, if you if Zagreus you ever, falls down and gives boo boos a lot. Yeah, yeah, Zagreus <laughs> does fall down and gives boo boos a lot, but like Hades <laughs> is a type of game where like, yeah, relaxing might not be the right word, but it is a type of game where it's just like, hey, you know, I've got thirty minutes, I can do, you know, three runs of Hades real quick, okay, you know. Um, and that's that's what I love about Hades um, and Animal Crossing, same way, just extremely relaxing. And Pokemon Snap, they they want you to be relaxed, particularly in those un- in the the two underwater levels in Pokemon Snap, where they've just got this really nice music going along. And you're just watching, like seeing you know, all the little Pokemon fish just float by, you know, and everything, you know. And then oh, there's a Welmer, he's just coming by to say hi, and you're just like, you know, I mean, th- there's never there's no game in history that's ever made me. Like, just be like, I just want to fall asleep with this on a big <laughs> projector, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my game of the year. I love Pokemon Snap so much. Um, I will say the uh, Diamond and Pearl remake uh, gets a lot of crap, and I don't know why. It's a great remake, uh, and I guess maybe people don't understand what the word remake means. But uh, anyway, it's it's been it's, it was really good too. Pokemon fans are notoriously hard to please, um, and you know, just I feel it, like I'm the only one that's not. I feel yeah, like I feel like I, I think like, I, feel like I, I think long, this grouping is kind of that way. I feel way. like as long as there are Pokemon on the screen that I can interact with them, it's going to be like best game ever. Best game ever. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, I mean, what more do you do? You need more? Exactly. Like, I mean, no. you know, um, Jenny, your game of the year. Um, so I've kind of been in the last couple of years kind of stuck playing, uh, catching up with a lot of games. Um, so I didn't really get to play a lot of games that were released this year, but I have to say Pokemon Snap was definitely, uh, one of the best. Uh, like I said, it's really relaxing. Um, and like, it's just fun. Like, it's just like, you know, you can't really get mad. Like, it's just a great game. Um, so yeah. I remember you streaming the, the Volcarona, uh, it's ten. Boss battle is a weird term for it, but I can't remember what they're actually called. Did I stream um, that, or was it just a practice stream? It was a practice stream, but oh, it was okay. streaming though. Oh, like you really? were, yeah, I think so. It's a boss battle. I mean, yeah. you got you got to hit it with the thing so it'll go to the right areas and everything. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would like the right... to stream that because um, yeah, I think that'd be a good one to stream. But yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's probably my Pokemon Snap yeah. too. I mean, yeah, like I said, I've replayed a lot of like older games this year, but. What what else did you play this year? Well, um, obviously, uh, Breath of the Wild. Um, I restarted that, um, and then uh, Age of Calamity, Hyrule Warriors. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, Legend of Zelda just all the time. That one, that that one oh kind of counted because that. Hold one... on, did Skyward Sword come out this year? It did. I mean, did. I know it's an older game, but it was a remake. So it actually, remake. I'm gonna take mine to Skyward Sword. Your Skyward Sword? Uh, yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay, sure. It's beautiful. Yeah. Forgot about that. Yeah, that one that one did really well. It it took me a long time to get used to the new controls with mm-hmm. the analog stick, but yeah, I actually I, I I liked it though. I, I did. I still haven't beat it, but I do I do I like what I played about it. that. But that honestly feels like it came out like a million years ago. So. I if it helps, um, until you said that, mm-hmm. um, I I forgot as well. They need um, to re-release all the Zelda games. Just all of them this year. Every, the, oh, this year. year. Oh, they've got. <laughs> 
You got to <laughs> You've got 11 and a half months, Nintendo. Get on it. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to play Ocarina again. So. Anyway. Mm. Well, that was. Hey, oh. Guess what? Darn it. Well, well, well for, for we will update commercial, commercial for the uh, updated uh, online service which brings you. Oh my gosh. You do get a Nintendo 64 emulator that does have what does it have on there, Jake? Are you serious? What does it have on there? You know. Oh wow! Are you going to edit this out of the podcast hey, because like we really need to get that. because what's funny is Al and Alyssa's Switch is also on our account, so they they've been very confident not pushing for me to get it. Um. You know, but now all the fan correspondents are. I didn't know I had Ocarina. That's a good thing. It has. We have to well, do that now. Of course, it's the N64 emulator. Uh, we it, oh, okay, we will. We will take care of that later. Okay. okay. <laughs> so let's finish recording the podcast first. Okay. <laughs> Goodness. No, I want to leave the podcast right now. Go play Ocarina time. All right. I'm all right, guys. Jenny's done. I'm only kind of kidding. <laughs> Bye, Jenny. <laughs> Wait, Jake. Are you telling me I could have been playing Castlevania 64 this whole time? It's. It is not. Wait. Is it? Oh, it might be. It's a Nintendo 64 game. Yeah, but it's not on, well, they, like... they're doing what they do with, like, Super Nintendo, so they're releasing games. But that would be amazing if Castlevania was on there. Of all the games for them to put on there. Oh, yeah. my gosh, I would never be able to use the Switch. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> Speaking of which, on that note, Alyssa, what was your game of the year? <clears throat> okay, so this wasn't a game that came out this year, but at the very, very last week of 2020, they put out an update for it, so it kind of counts still. Um, this is just a game I discovered this year, and that is Stardew Valley. I play it on the Switch, and I have poured hundreds of hours into this game. Um, Josh, earlier you were talking about just soothing, relaxing games to play, and this is that. Um, the best way I can describe this game is that it's like if David Lynch designed the Farmville Facebook game that my mom used to play in the early 2000s. Nice. Um, that's that's really the only way to explain it. Um, it's fun. It starts off as just this fun little farming simulator. And then, you know, you're helping the mayor find his shorts that he left in one of the other farmer's houses. Um, there's monsters and ghosts in the mine. Um if you get married and have kids in game and then you decide you don't want those kids anymore, you can go find this witch in the woods who will turn them into birds for you. Um, yeah, so it's just a lot of fun. There is a lot going on in there. Um, there's like a whole section of the game devoted just to like exploring these old mines and mining for different jewels and ores and stuff. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on in it. There is like a storyline you can follow. Um, there's a lot of different characters in game to interact with. And they all, you know, have unique personalities. Um, the creator of this game spent literal years developing it on, on his own. Um, it was created and developed by one person. He has a new game that's going to be coming out sometime um that he shared different screenshots of that's a very similar type of game except instead of like a rural farming community it's more of like 
a haunted mansion, haunted castle kind of game. Um, so just very cool stuff. Um, and there's a really neat kind of community on like Reddit and Twitter and stuff like that around this game. Um, the creator is still very involved. You know, if you reach out to him with like any complaints at all about any kind of bugs or anything weird, you know, glitches or anything in the game, he's on it and like immediately finds it and fixes it. Um, so that's really cool to see. But yeah, it came out in 2016. It's now on a 1.5 edition or version. Um, it's just been a really fun game. And I have spent so much of my free time and a lot of time that should not have been free time just hanging out and playing Stardew. Yeah, I mean, that's so. that, that's awesome. I'm... I I always enjoyed um, because I, I unfortunately still have not played it or have not started, but I know. <laughs> um, there are multiple times where you just you would tell us these very long elaborate stories of things that you did in this game, and not only did I just enjoy hearing from you about that, but when I started looking up looking it up and everything and found out that it was just by a single developer, I was like, that's impressive that you can do that many different things in it just from a single developer so no that's yeah yeah I, i'm I, I do intend on starting it soon i've just i've had a massive backlog of games i still haven't josh mcken guardians I, i've barely put any any time into that and everyone loves that one um but uh but yeah i'm i'm yeah. very uh very excited to start start my playthrough as well on that um this game is was fun. everything oh. It was everything that I wanted Animal Crossing to be. Like, I enjoyed Animal Crossing. That was fine. But this game was, like, everything I had really wanted from that one. So it was it was fun. I really enjoyed it. Still do. Nice. I still play it regularly. So. Nice. Yeah, we're, it's, it's funny to go from, like, Pokemon Snap and Stardew Valley, and then the 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 beautiful graphics of Skyward Sword to Al's pick. Um, Al, what was your pick for Game of the Year, my friend? Woo! So, um, yeah, um, another probably pretty predictable um, choice for me. Um, I'm going to go with Resident Evil Village um, or Resident Evil 8, um, depending on the mood of the hour of the um, developers at Capcom and what they want to call it. But, um, yeah, the new Resident Evil that came out this year um, is mine. Uh, Jacob and I did a um, a short podcast series just talking about uh, um, Resident Evil. And Ooh. a big chunk of one of the episodes uh, was Resident Evil Village. Um, that's a great game. Um, it's kind of a perplexing game because you go through it. It's really well done. Um, each section of the game feels very unique and very... Uh, very much of its own, but also um, a lot of it also feels like homages to um, the various games in the series that came before. Um, their kind of atmospheres and their kind of gameplay styles. Um, it ends with a bang. Um, it ends with asking more questions than it answers in a lot of ways. And then here we are after eight months after the release, and we haven't heard anything about that game. Um, which is really weird because Capcom's usually um, kind of quick on the draw with their DLCs and um, and added 
um, support content and things like that. But we just haven't heard anything. Um, so it's kind of perplexing because I would have thought I would have had more Resident Evil Village to have played by now. But um, here we are without it. But um, yeah, I'm going to be honest. This one was probably the hardest category for me because this year has been kind of weird for video games. Um, uh, we had um, a few really good games. We talked about Pokemon Snap. Um, <laughs> he talked briefly about Age of Calamity. Uh, that's a really, really good game as well. Um, but like there was a, especially there was kind of a period in 2021 that was like from June, just after the new Resident Evil came out to like almost October where there just weren't any big releases for games that came out. Um, um, it actually led to um, um, a lot of the streamers and YouTubers I follow who do video games. They kind of had to get creative for a big chunk of 2021 because there just wasn't anything new to come out to, um, to kind of pad their viewership. Um, so it was a weird year. Um, this year, 2022, is going to really make up for it. Since in the first three months, there's like seven new games coming out that I'm interested in. So that'll be fun to keep up with. But um, but yeah, this year I'm going to give it um, to Resident Evil. It was um, it was about as good as as I could have hoped for um, that game to be um, after being so hyped and having so many question marks around it. So, yeah. Yeah, I remember... Um... I loved playing Resident Evil 8. I, I think we, we got it around the same time, and so we kept messing each other back and forth about what part we were on. Um, and that was just a fun one just to go through with you, brother. Um, but there are so many scenes in that in that game where it was... Having having played through all the titles leading up to it, um, that which I did on stream, um, was, one of the, was one of those situations where it was like, I could see where some people will be upset about this, about certain things that are happening in the later parts of the game, but it was just so much fun. It was such a, just a genuinely just fun experience um, and had some, had some, some of the more terrifying moments I've ever seen in a video game. Um, so that was always great. Um, there was one part where I audibly screamed and uh, I was worried I scared my brother in down the hall. Um, but fortunately he was asleep and as much as he loves Pokemon, he basically sleeps like Snorlax as it is. So he did not wake up. So that's good. Um, sure, sure. But Resident Evil was probably my second favorite game of the year. My actual favorite game of the year was a game that I yelled at more than Resident Evil. Um, and that was Metroid Dread. Um, incredibly, incredibly fun game. I had never really put a lot of hours into any of the Metroid series. It's one of the few Nintendo series I've never really jumped into. Um, when they finally do a Metroid Prime port to the Switch, I do plan on playing all, all of them. But going through Metroid Dread was so interesting because it is, it is a very easy-to-pick-up game that is so difficult to master, and you've got to, you've got to start figuring out how to make the game work for you by the end of it. Um, and Josh can attest to this. There were just so many moments where I was just, I was swearing at the screen. I was, I was, you know, yelling, Oh, don't get me whenever there would be an Emmy 
on the screen, which is the little robots that chase you um, no matter what you do. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was it was just a blast. Um, that being said, the little electric uh, bug boss that can kill you in one hit, um, he is the reason I decided not to do a, a hard playthrough. Um, I did normal and then was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to set this down for a bit. I've done I've done my duty. I beat the game. It, it was fun. It was great. I don't need to pick this up on hard um, anytime soon. I, I, I struggle with blood pressure as it is, you know, so we're just going to we're going to set this aside for right now. Um, but Metro Dread is absolutely fantastic. I never want to check it out if you if you get a chance. Um, but uh, yeah, moving on. Real quick before you're moving on, I'm really glad that you mentioned Metroid. Um, My brother, a couple years ago, obviously it was a different version of the game, he got my parents' internet turned off by the FBI because he illegally downloaded that game and was playing it. (laughs) That is incredible. That that makes me so... He was 16. That is that makes me so happy that that it didn't I, make my parents happy. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm certain I am certain of that. That's oh, that's that's great though. Um, it's definitely proof that Nintendo is kind of like the Baskin Robbins of the video game world because they always find out. Oh yeah, they, they do. Yeah, they, they do. That they do. Um, we're right along to best shows, Jenny. We're going to start with you. What was, oh, okay. All right. Okay. Uh, did you want to add anything to that? Or just <laughs> Loki? Uh, Loki? I mean, yeah. I've, uh, and, and honestly, well, I'm not going to pretend it was a hard decision, but there were a lot of good shows uh, this year. Uh, some decent ones. Yeah. WandaVision yeah. was great. Hawkeye was great. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of good shows, but the challenge. Loki. Yeah, the challenge. Challenge has been good, but challenge, it's a little different. That's like an experience and like, I don't know if you can. There's a lot of like emotional, like I don't know. It, it's true. It's different from like a show. Well, it's a sporting show. event too. It's a no, sporting fair. event. It's too. American so, like, I, sport. Yeah. So, yeah, and uh, yeah, and I do take that very seriously. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, Loki was great. Um, I've been waiting for something like that for a long time, and uh, I think they they did everything that they exceeded my expectations, much like Spider Man did. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Al, what was your show of the year, my friend? Um, yeah, so, um, <laughs> I, um, I'm sorry. Um, I slipped into my hack checking boy persona, uh, real quick and discovered that a show that, um, Alyssa and I hadn't, um, talked about before when we were doing our lists, um, had come out this year. So, um, you may be hearing about that from her. Uh, real quick because she just got really excited but um <laughs> i think my um i think my show of the year and this is going back to the very beginning of the year but um i think my show of the year is i want to be wandavision mm. um i i struggled to think of other tv shows that had me as invested in several ways um um as WandaVision did at the beginning of 2021 in a lot of ways uh WandaVision was kind of a source of hope in some ways um going into the new year where 2020 was so um rough for um a big part of it 
obviously I had good things happen to me in 2020, but um, because, you know, um, I got married. But um, overall, 2020 was kind of a rough year. And um, getting WandaVision so early, we got that show in January. Um, and being so engaged with it and um, slipping back into, at least for me, slipping back into the routine of waiting for the next episode every week and trying to figure out um, my own theories about what was going on and getting to see all these different characters come in and, you know, seeing the, the billions of dollars uh, worth of, of, um, of the cameo in one of the episodes uh, with Quicksilver. Um, um, seeing that come in and pay off, <laughs> um, at least in that episode. Uh, by the end of the by the end of the season, I'm not sure it, it was a good payoff. But um, but yeah, just um, that show and the um, emotions that it evoked. I was so emotionally invested in the characters by the end of it. Um, I've always uh, really loved Scarlet Witch as a character. And so getting to see that character done so well um, in her own show um, was really uh, was really both bizarre, but also um, um, a very happy experience for me because I love to see the things I love um, just kind of come to life um, before my eyes. I mean, WandaVision was a really great example of that. Um, and like uh, we had a bunch of really good shows come out this year, but um, I always kept going back to comparing them. Um, not just in quality, but also just to the way they made me feel while watching them and while being invested in the journey of them every week. And um, none of the other shows for me came close to how I felt with WandaVision. Um, it was just a whole whole new viewing experience for me. Um, it sounds like I'm overselling it and exaggerating, but I'm really not. Um, I can't think of another show that made me as invested um, as WandaVision did. No, I, I I completely agree. Um, if it wasn't for my top pick, um, that WandaVision would definitely be up there. Um, because 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 you're absolutely right. It coming out in January, after 2020 being what it was, not even just in. I mean, obviously, you know, being just a horrendous year for so many different reasons, but also even just from an entertainment perspective of being able to just sit down and weekly and watch that show at, le at least for, for me with my siblings. And then as soon as it was over, bemoan the fact we had to wait a whole other week for an episode. And then we had all these different theories and Mephisto is everywhere. Oh um, <laughs> and uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you know what? So. You're right. You found a flaw in that show. So <laughs> 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 the, the fan theories that, spawned with Mephisto was yep. was one low light for me with that show. I'll give you that. <laughs> I, I gotta be honest, it might be a low light uh, started out, but it is it has become my favorite thing ever. Uh, of particularly Mephisto and the Winter Mephisto. Um that one that meme was my favorite thing I've ever seen. Um I mean the MCU will not be the same again after after that stupid fame theory. <laughs> no, no, ev everyone could be Mephisto. I could be Mephisto for all we know. Who knows? Um, but, uh, but yeah, WandaVision, fantastic show. 
Um, moving along, though, uh, Josh, what was your pick for show of the year? Yeah, so I've got. I mean, it was it was, it was TV was probably the hardest one for me because there were so many fantastic shows this year. Um, you know, I loved uh, WandaVision. I mean, when I think on 2021, I'm probably going to think of Elizabeth Olsen as uh, Scarlet Witch. I think that was the standout performance for me this year. Um, you know, I loved Hawkeye. Uh, you know, I feel like Hawkeye's kind of getting... Um, Hawkeye gets weird criticisms. I loved Hawkeye. I thought it was great. Um, anything that brings uh, Yelena back into the mix. Um, you know, I just... But that show was great. I thought Haley Steinfeld was great in it. Um, you know, I really liked, um, we'll say Captain America and the Winter Soldier. And I really liked Loki. Um, I really liked uh, Masters of the Universe this year was great uh, by Kevin Smith. Uh, it was an animated show. I really liked it because, as I told Jake, it's good to have decent Christian entertainment on the show. And and that's all I'm going to say about it, by the way. Because um, you're probably thinking to yourself, Master Universe Christian Entertainment and I just want more people to watch this so I can get a third season. <laughs> so, like, so mate, so if you're confused by that, hey, go on and watch it. Just go on and watch it and just trust me on it. Um, you know, um, go on in because I really want a third season because the uh, misogynist dogs were really out to uh, to kill that show for whatever Ooh. reason. Um, and it was fantastic. Um, but the two shows that I'm going to say <laughs> that I'm going to say are the best were two shows I didn't think I would ever say are the best. Uh, one is Succession. And one is Arcane. Um, those two shows uh, were pitch perfect this year. Um, and it's weird for me to say that because I have no relationship with Arcane at all. Like, I, I don't I don't know. I didn't know anything about League of Legends going into it uh, other than the fact that it was like a huge eSport. Had no no concept about how um, how any of these characters worked or the world or whatever. And Arcane, it, it has the best cast of characters, uh, probably one of the best cast of characters I've ever seen. And what they do that's really interesting is that every main character in that show, and there's about eight of them, every main character, you understand their motivations uh, completely and totally, to the point that even with the evil characters, you do that as well. And as much as I love WandaVision, as much as I love Captain America Winter Soldier, and, you know, and Loki doesn't get the criticism for that. Loki's pretty good at explaining motivations. And as much as I love Hawkeye, um, all of them have random characters. Like, I, I, I still don't understand what the main villain in WandaVision is trying to pull off. I mean, I know he wants to make Vision a military person, but I don't understand why he wants to do that. I have, you know, and like, and I also don't understand why he cartoonishly evilly tries to shoot two kids at the end of it for no reason. Because the U.S. government? I, but but well, that's, that's what I'm saying, what though. Like, I mean, that's fine. I and thought that was obvious. And, and, and that, that's fine, okay? And, and, like, that's perfectly fine as a as a, as a a reason, okay? And, like, and that's that's fine. But I'm just saying, like, Arcane, like, Jake, the only person who watched it, yeah. you know, it the you, you completely and totally understand every single character's motivation and why they do and why they're the way they are. That's really hard to pull off in nine episodes. It's true. Um, and then with Succession, Succession has to make it just because it has the like, it has the most horrifying last scene I've ever seen in a show. And there's not a murder, there's not a sexual assault, there's not a, um, there's not a like, you know, some some big like you know tragedy or whatever. 
And yet, like at the end of it, like it was just creepy as hell. And I was just, I, I, I just, I, it's hard to explain without spoilers. Um, but yeah, Succession and Arcane, those are my two, two shows of the year. I thought you said you hated Arcane. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, actually, you're right. Uh, don't watch Arcane. Uh, but and here's why: Arcane has the worst cliffhanger I've ever seen in a show ever. I, I, I mean, it, not even Bar none. Like we're talking like, like at the end of Game of Thrones season five, like who, like the the writers of that are just going, well done, well done, Arcane. <laughs> you know, we left Jon Snow bleeding on the ground, but we we have nothing on you, and uh, that's how bad it is. Uh, so yeah, it, it's actually really a horrible show. Don't get invested in it um, because it does have the worst cliffhanger ever. But if you're okay with horrible cliffhangers, it's a fantastic show, and it it, it deserved everything it got this year. Uh, Alyssa, what about you? Your show of the year. Um, so I have two. Um, first and foremost, the fourth season of Castlevania, which is the one that Al just pointed out to me. Yep. Came out this year. Um, just in general, like having never played the games, but wanting to they're on my list um i just really love that show it's definitely dark definitely gritty um definitely ugly at times but honestly it's just a fantastic show um and then the other one that i am more prepared to talk about it came out on december 31st so it still counts (laughs) um but stay close was just I'm a really big fan of like thriller mystery novels and I think it was just a perfect adaptation of a thriller. Um, Great cast, great story, definitely lots of twists and turns and like side adventures happening. Um, Overall, just a fantastic show. There is a common theme between those two things that I just realized, Um, (laughs) but that's not the important thing here. Um, And it's interesting. I love that show so much. And Josh, for Christmas, you actually gave me another novel by that same author um, that I've started reading since I finished that show in a day and a half. So thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, Harlan Coben, I mean, he's... He's yes. about as solid a writer right now as there is. Uh, love everything he does. And I look forward to watching Stay Close as well. Yeah, it's really good. Um, he's gotten some weird criticism, like, since his other Netflix show came out, The Stranger. Um, there was, like, a weird criticism that he doesn't write women well. And I'm not sure exactly where that's coming from. Because, I mean, he does write a lot of female characters who are sex workers and he writes a lot of female characters who, you know, do have deep flaws or do bad things, but he's very good at fleshing them out um, and making them like actual people and not just, you know, diminish down to one or two qualities, which I think is important. Um, So I don't know where that criticism comes from, but yeah, it's a great show. Diverse cast. Um, just all around fun. It was, I think, 
either six or eight episodes and I watched all of it on New Year's Day just straight through. Um, so yeah. <coughs> yeah, I um, I cannot wait to watch Stay Close um, mainly because you told me so many good things about it and Josh, I'd already heard him talk about the book and how good it was so I'm, I'm very excited to watch that. I had completely forgot Castlevania was this year. I, yeah. I Lord, it was a good right? year television. Oh my gosh. Uh, it was like right in that middle of the year. Like it was the end of May that came out. Yeah. So. Like, like the more I think about it, the more I'm like, yeah, no, I remember. I'm wow. That's insane to me. Um, yeah. The Castlevania was, was great. Um, yeah. Very, very solid finale. Um, and I think that's the end of the show, right? They're not doing another season. At least for that series, for for those right. characters. Um, yeah. A, a lot of people have been saying that they are going to do a continuation. Um, okay. Which I'm all in. Um, I would gladly watch the the later Belmonts um, and their stories. That's the thing about but, Castlevania. There's plenty of Belmonts. Yeah, they, they, yeah. There's a lot of things they could do. Um, and, I remember... When the show first came out, I remember Al, you know, we watched the first episode of the first season together and you were surprised that they started off with Trevor. Um, but it sounds like that kind of opens it up then, you know, if they wanted to use future generations, there's plenty of people to choose from. So, yeah, if uh, before Castlevania came out, when I first heard about it, um, I kind of stayed away from news about it for a while until the first season premiered because I wanted to be surprised. But um, yeah, if you had told me they were going to do four entire seasons of that show and only talk about Trevor as a soap Helmont, I, I would have been very surprised. But um, they pulled <laughs> it off really well. Yeah. They did way more with Trevor than the games ever did. That's for sure. It doesn't work, though, because he's his grandfather. Who 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 gets rescued in Symphony of the Night? Uh, Richter. Okay, never mind. Never mind. Forget I said anything. Never mind. That's his <laughs> great great yeah. great great grandson. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. My bad. I thought of, for a second there, I thought it was Trevor. You rescued. Another spoiler alert. For a from game 1997. Game 1997? Are you, <laughs> you were three years old. I was. That day came I was. I don't even want to talk about it. Are you kidding? Um, but yeah, no, Castlevania. There have been a lot of rumors with them sp basically spreading out into different series. Uh, there's been a rumor of like a Devil May Cry uh, series and the exact same grouping, everyone working on that. Oh, and boy. then basically those like possibly crossing over with Saint Germain and. That and the weird the corridor and everything like all which yeah. I'm gonna be honest. I know Josh. Oh, is oh Lord! I, I can't think of a worse thing to happen to me than I would love it so much. That would be so I insane. So oh my gosh! That, would that was that. like one of those things in that show that they didn't really explain or flesh out very much, and I was okay with that. It was like, and there's a magic portal, and now the magic portal is gone. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's not oh. open the magic portal again. That was a thing. Yeah. Let's let's just have that be the end of that. Yep. Um. Yeah. But yeah. It was a really good show overall. Um. And the final season of it definitely 
was last year, even though it does not feel like it. It feels feel like a million years ago. Very, very weird. Um, but uh, but my pick for show of the year, and I, I, I got to be honest, literally until we started this podcast, it could have been any of these any of these top three. Um, between between uh, WandaVision, The Witcher Season 2, which is absolutely fantastic and everyone should go watch it. I'm not going to talk about it a whole lot because that is way too recent and there's a lot of spoilers, um, but that one's really good. Um, but Josh already mentioned it, and that's Master of the Universe. Um, I remember Master of the Universe and Ninja Turtles are two series that it almost seems like they have kind of been going hand in hand in a lot of ways and go and coming back at different points in times. Um, I remember in 2003, both of them came back around the same time and we went to a flea market in our hometown. And I remember Josh going through this giant box of toys and saying, well, you need this guy, you need this guy and this guy. And, then on the way home, he explained to me who everyone was um, because I had no idea who Man at Arms was. I had no idea who Clawful was, which for those of you who don't know, Clawful is a man who has um, lobster hands um, and a lobster head, mm-hmm. and he is the best. And a lobster tail, so um, excuse me. Is he just a bipedal lobster then? He is a bipedal lobster. Thank you, thank you for clarifying, Alyssa. That yes. was the best way to explain. Yes, it. he's a bipedal lobster, yeah. and he's delight. He's a delight. Um, <laughs> and I'm uh, sorry. This, this bit is not going to go away now. In <laughs> no, like, no, I, I in like three months, that. in like three months, I'm going to be describing Donald Duck. And I'm just going to be like, well, he has like the head of a duck, and he has like the the feet of a duck, and he has. As the abdomen or the thorax of a duck, and he. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're great. You, you, you are great. Um, but no, that's just the thing about Master Universe is it has a rich history, full of some very odd, some very eclectic, yet all fantastic characters, and the thing is about Master Universe Revelation, because I remember when I first saw the voice cast, that was the first thing they, they announced when they said this this show was going to happen. And of course, the big thing that everyone was freaking out about was Mark Hamill at Skeletor, which, let me tell you, was worth the wait and does not disappoint. Um, but everything about that series is a love letter to every character in Eternia. Um there's maybe two or three people who do not show up in this show. Um, and it's, and you've got to be trying to find the people that are missing. Um, so much so that even one of my favorite characters, Ram man um, has a fantastic cameo in, in the very, very last episode. Um, just for like 40 seconds. Just for like 40 yeah. seconds, <laughs> but it's wonderful. Um, but he just, everything about the series was pitch perfect for me. Um, it was split into into two parts. Um, but it's basically just, honestly, if you wanted to sit down and just make it into a five hour long film, you could, 
because it's it's just great. It works really well going back going back to back. Um, and and Josh is right, and I won't dive into too much about 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 it because he's right. I want people to go watch this so we can get a third season. Because you want to talk about another show that has a really annoying cliffhanger, uh, and I want more of it. Um, but it has a genuinely heartfelt, hopeful message. Um, that is something that not only do I think that we just needed just, uh, you know, following 2020 and 2021 being difficult years as they were, but honestly, just in general, enter- entertainment in general needed more messages like this, in my opinion. Um, and for some reason, that message has blown people's minds and they hate it so much. Um, but I personally love the show. You should go check it out. It's worth watching. Animation's gorgeous on it. Um, and yeah, Master Universe Revelation. Go check it out on Netflix. Um, buy all the toys just like we did. And l- please help us get a, se- a season three or part three or whatever they're calling it. Um, because it needs to happen. Because I'm very, very intrigued to see what they do with those following storylines. Um, moving on, though. Uh, we are going to do best comics now. Uh, now, Jenny and Alyssa both said that they wanted to sit this one out. They have read a lot of different comics and everything, but they hadn't really read a whole lot this year of anything that kind of stuck out to them uh, from this year. So uh, we will see them on the last category here in a little bit. But, uh, Josh, we're going to start with you. Mm. Um, your uh, your favorite comic of the year. Mm. That's a tough one. Uh, I've got several um, that... Uh, there wasn't that, anything too big this year, you know? Yeah, there's, <laughs> I've got several that I could talk about. Um, you know, I would say Nice House on the Lake is something uh, everyone needs to read. Um, that was a... It's a fantastic horror comic. Um, one of the best horror comics I've ever read, and it's not coming back till March, and I'm very unhappy about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, uh, you know, Tom, Tom King is... Probably my vote for writer of the year this year, Ooh. which I know is strange considering uh, my some of my opinions that he's had on on, on Batman, uh, but Batman, Catwoman, and uh, Human Target, and Supergirl, uh, Woman of Tomorrow, um, all three perfect, uh, perfect uh, comics in my opinion. Uh, but my two favorite comics this year, uh, I like the Jake's already writing it down. Like I'm gonna talk about those. Uh, but my two favorite comics of the year so far uh, this year, uh, one is Hellions and one is Black Widow. Um, I, had, I had one of two. Black Widow is written by Kelly Thompson uh, and is drawn uh, to near perfection by Elena Costa Grande. Uh, Kelly Thompson is a fantastic writer. Her big strength is she gets to the core of characters and without without going too much into it, because if there's a comic about, if there's a Black Widow comic, you need to read it's this one. Um, but the start of this story essentially is that uh, Black Widow um, basically is given everything she's ever wanted. And what does that, what does that mean? Exactly. And um, it's got fantastic, um, fantastic cameos from, uh, from Hawkeye, both. So, like, if you're asking, Ooh. like, Clint, uh, uh, yes, <laughs> uh, both Hawkeyes. 
Um, great uh, cameo by Winter Soldier. Um, probably the best comic book uh, version of Yelena that I've ever seen. Um, you know, Yelena's just as much a star as uh, uh, Natasha is. Um, but I also want to talk about Hellions because the X Men books are the X Men books are really, really in a weird place right now. If you're not familiar with what's happened with the X Men, um, one, you need to read them. Uh, you need to read. Uh, you need to catch up because it's it's the one of the best overarching stories I've ever read, which we'll uh, be covering later. So, when... but uh, essentially, all the mutants have their own island nation now called Krakoa. Uh, if you know X-Men, you know Krakoa. And they basically turned that into an island nation. And uh, they have started their own um, community. Um, they started their own government. Um, and basically have told the rest of the world, um, you know, we want to live in peace with you. Um, but if not, we've also got about 16 nuclear deterrents here. Uh, that you know we can just we can just unleash on you at any time, um, and so there's a lot going on. There's more to it. There's stuff, particularly they've uh, Krakoa puts out medicines uh, that they want to trade with us. World, all that things, whatever. Okay, the problem is with 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 this X Men grouping is there's cracks in the foundation, and so in a lot of ways, what Jonathan Hickman is doing is really examining government. Uh, and how government works, and basically the compromises we make uh, and that humanity has always made in order to have a government. Um, and so the mutants, <laughs> they fall to all the same problems, and Hellions was the best book that examined that. And there's a part at the end of Hellions, Hellions end, ended this year, uh, it only had 18 issues, but it was a fantastic book. The essentially the point of Hellions was we've got all these weird mutants. What are we going to do with them? And Mr. Sinister of all people is like, well, let me use them. And so basically you essentially have uh, the it's always sunny in Philadelphia version of a mutant grouping. And so they go on. They basically just continue to screw up all the time. I mean, it's literally it's Psylocke uh, who, you know, is is good okay you know but also this is this is psylocke at having now been separated from betsy braddock so she doesn't really know where who she is in life you've got havoc which i know a lot of people love havoc but if you know havoc in the comics you know he's got extreme serious issues, issues. Yep. okay you've got nanny and orphan maker uh which if you don't know those characters just look them up uh uh nanny is is a psychotic nanny mm -hmm. i mean that's the best way to describe it and she wants to protect uh mutant babies um the one that has grown to adulthood is orphan maker but nanny still wants to protect orphan maker and treat orphan maker like her son uh you also have uh who used to be scout hunter but they changed it to gray crow this year that was a good idea mm -hmm. uh gray crow is just a killer and then you've also got wild child which mm -hmm. is yes. basically the best thing to describe wild child is like if Sabretooth was four foot five, okay? And they put all these people on one team, and then the best part about it was is they get angry at them when this team screws up. And the ending of Hellions, and I'm, you know, the ending of Hellions has one of the best, best moments because Nanny of all people, 
threatens Kitty Pride, who's on the 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 council you're going to do something that is horrific. And Kitty Pride, Kate Pride is on the council, and Nanny threatens Kate Pride's mother on this on the council. And Kate goes, "What did I do?" And Nanny looks at her and goes, "What did any of y'all do? You're standing by and watching this happen." And it's the first time in two years where all of a sudden you've got a you've got a character looking at the X Men. The X-Men you know and love, because on the council is Storm, Nightcrawler, Colossus, Magneto, Professor X, Kate Pride, where you're looking at the X-Men you know and love, and at the for the first time you're seeing they're going to do a compromise to keep themselves safe. And it, it the, the way it's done is just beautiful. I can't speak enough about Hellions. It's written by Zeb Wells, who I don't I'm he's on Spider-Man now, but I didn't know anything he'd done before. Fantastic book. Um, definitely, those are my two choices: Hellions and Black Widow. Pick those up uh, if you can, um, and then you will you will definitely be entertained. Great, great choices, absolutely. Um, Al, I am very, very intrigued to see your book of the year. Well, hello, very, very intrigued. Oh, um, um yeah. So, um, for people who don't know, twenty twenty one marked my return to um to receiving comics every month uh via uh yeah uh via pull list um i haven't done that since i was a teenager um for anybody who's in the exington area who happens to be listening to this um if you're in search for a local comic book shop i think i've plugged them before uh but a plus comics and collectibles uh, they have two locations, one on Southland, one off Richmond Road. Um, they're great. Um, we are blessed here in Lexington with um, a few really, really good comic book stores. Um, I've gravitated towards A+, just because they're really close to me. But um, they're terrific. Uh, they have um, a loyalty program that gives you a discount on the comics uh, that you get every month on your pull list. Um, they will take time out of your day to sit down and walk you through the solicitations and figure out what you like and what you don't like and things like that. Um, if you're like me and haven't been into a regular pool for comics in a while, um, the staff at a plus are very in the know and they, and as I said, they will um, take time out of their day to, to sit down and figure out a pool list that you'll be happy with. Um, so yeah, so this year was my return to getting comics. Um, on a regular basis, um, I usually wait for trades because I like to um, collect trades. I like to read chunks of the story all at once, and um, they just—I like the way they look on my shelf in my room. Um, it's just fun that way. But um, I do have a few. Um, um, I haven't pulled any of the long-running stuff. I haven't pulled like a lot of the big names. So like, I'm not getting uh, like a ton of the Batman comics. I'm not getting. Um, to everybody's surprise, I'm not getting Spider-Man comics because um, um, I have a love-hate relationship with Spider-Man comics where obviously I love them, but um, there's so much work to catch up on and know what the hell is happening at any given time, um, especially when there's a transition of writers. But um, I've gotten some other series. I've gotten some smaller series. Um, I've dipped my toes into indie books. Um, but... Um, the book I'm going to go with for my um, favorite comic of the year um, is something whose 
whose subject is also a a very um, quintessential interest of mine. Um, and that is going to be Philip K. Johnson's run on Alien. Um, Alien is, as odd as it may sound, Alien is the most fun I've had with comics in like a while. Um, I'm getting a ton of really good books right now, but the one I probably look forward to the most um, every month um, is Alien, to see what that creative team of of Johnson and LaRuca um, are up to uh, at any given time and what they're doing with the lore, uh, the the stories they're exploring, the different um, settings and situations that they're inserting, the very familiar fear of of the alien, of the xenomorph into. Um, and like I said, it's been a blast. Um, the first arc of it, um, issues one through six, is probably the best alien story we've gotten since Aliens in the 80s, <laughs> if I'm being totally honest. Um, it hasn't had like super stiff competition there. But um, it's just it's just a blast. It captures it captures the essence of what I think alien media should be, where it's about this. Um, um, they understand this creative team understands that on um, the horror of alien isn't just inherent to what um, a xenomorph is. Um, it's inherent to who we are as humans when confronted uh, by such things. And they do a really good job of exploring that through the various um, characters that they create. Um, so it's great, um, even though it takes place firmly within the alien um, universe and timeline, you don't need a whole lot of background information. If you've never even seen any of the alien movies, you can pick up the first issue of it. Um, it's in a trade now, so you can pick up the first arc of it um, and just jump in and know the general ideas of it and be perfectly at home um so yeah i'm gonna go with alien um as my book of the year that that's awesome i um i was telling you when i was streaming yesterday um that uh i fortunately had to drop it um as as excited as i was i, I really enjoyed the first i think i've read the first four um, but of course, I'm just I'm, I get so many books, you know. So some cuts do have to be made. But I, I was right with you. I I loved what they were doing. Um, it's definitely a series I will be checking back with later, um, picking up trades or back issues or something. But yeah, it's definitely worth checking out, uh, especially especially if you like the series. Um, but uh, yeah, that leaves it to me for my comic of the year. Um, this is not going to be a surprise to anyone. Um, this is definitely not going to be a surprise to Josh because pretty much the first five issues of this run, every time I read it, I would go into the other room and hand the book to him and just be like, you need to read this so we can talk about it. Um, so my book of the year is going to be t uh, Nightwing by Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo. What? Um, I know, right? <laughs> so, what, mysteries and surprises never cease with, with fanboy respondents. Um, so, for those of you who don't know, Nightwing has been in a... We'll go with a state of flux, I would say, um, over the last few years. 
Um, really, in a lot of ways, since Forever Evil back in 2013, um, he's had a couple different writers that, although a lot of the stories have been great, like Grayson, um, after he has thought dead uh, by Tim Seeley is really good. And also a little co-writer on that one called Tom, named Tom King uh, basically started his career in uh, mainstream comics. Um, and it, that one was great. The Rebirth Nightwing stuff that Tim Seeley was continuing to do right at the beginning was really good. And then Dan Gergens, I think... I can't remember exactly who it was. Uh, don't quote me on that. It's not It's not Dan Jerkins. I can't remember who it is. Someone made the decision that he was going to get shot in the head, have amnesia. Happened in the Tom King Batman run. Just want to point that out. Oh, excuse me. It did happen in the Tom King Batman run. Okay, gotcha. Well, it continued in the Nightwing story. Um, because in the Nightwing story, um, the most annoying part happens. They changed his name from Dick Grayson to rick grayson and i just i i know they were maybe trying to alleviate some of the jokes but like i just i I don't get it like just anyways we're not here to talk about why why he's been in trouble we're here to talk about how tom taylor and bruno redondo brought him back um started in nightwing 78 which was the start of their run from that issue on has been nothing short of a story of hope, a story of joy, story of triumph, and a story of struggling through tragedies and how you can continue on through them. Um, Every single beat of that comic is about trying to do something better, even in your darkest hours. Um, it starts off with him saving a little puppy, um, that's being, uh, beaten up by some bullies in a street and the puppy bites him and he's like, well, that happened. I'm going to take the puppy to the vet and I'm going to get myself sewn up a little bit as well. And then I'm just going to take the puppy home and make sure it's cared for. And then I'm going to take it back to the shelter. Um, if you know anything about where that story is going, he does not take the puppy back to the shelter. Mm-hmm. Um, his, its name is Haley. He keeps it. And its other name is Bite Wing mm-hmm. instead of Nightwing. Uh, uh. Anyways, overall, it is just one of the best comics out there that is diving into the character of Dick Grayson perfectly. Even in the Fear State um, connecting issues, which I wouldn't even necessarily say that you really needed to read fear state to understand what was going on with those which i really appreciated even as someone who was getting every comic in that crossover i can always appreciate that that you don't have to get every single comic to understand what's happening in your in your the current comics you're already reading um and i haven't read 87 yet which is a magnum opus where apparently the everything is one image which i know sounds weird but just look it up it looks awesome um and and that's the thing is i can't I can't finish talking about this. I, I know, I know, we're kind of dragging on a little bit, and we're, we're I want to move to the last category. But um, Bruno Redondo's art. There was a point in the Silver Age of Comics where they talked about how Carmine Infantino was the first person who figured out how to make motion look interesting on the page. 
And Bruno Redondo takes that and brings it into a modern level, unlike pretty much anyone else I've ever seen. Um, Doctor, to mention Elena Casagrande and Black Widow, he would really be the only other person I would really look at for that similar style. Um, both of them have these moments where they are doing these action sequences that are never confusing. They are always gorgeous. Um, and I know that first part might sound weird, but if you ever read certain comics that have so much going on on the page that is just confusing to look at, this is a comic where that does not happen. Um, everything just looks great. The storyline is perfect. The characterizations of like Barbara Gordon is really good. Dick Grayson is obviously great. There are genuine surprises that happen in the first few issues that I did not see coming. Um, and yeah, overall, I, I cannot, I want Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo to do this comic for the next like 10 years and I will, I will buy every single issue. Um, so yeah, and I'm going to stop rambling about Nightwing now and how good it is. Um, and we're going to move on to the last category, but yes, go check out Nightwing. Um, and as Al said, most importantly, go check out your local comic book store. We want to support brick and mortar stores as much as we can. If you do not know where your store, where your closest store is, please hit us up on social media. We will gladly help you find a store that is near you or a place you can order from to kind of help some people out. Um, support your local stores as best you can. All right, moving on to the last category. Um, album of the year. A lot of great music came out this year. Um, Alyssa, we are going to start with you, if you were okay with that. What was your album of the year? Sob Rock. So, uh, oh, so, Sob Rock. Oh, okay, nice. nice. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, I can go into heavy detail about this. Um, <laughs> I will. Yeah. I will the heavy detail yeah <laughs> i don't know like i was just really invested in this album from the get-go um john mayer took up creating tiktoks this year and used that platform to kind of advertise his own album as he was working on it while he was working on getting it out um so there was already a little bit of hype built up around that um but beyond that it just felt like a throwback to his earlier albums. Um, it felt like one of his earlier albums. Um, and just in general, like it was a very, very, we're stuck in the middle of a pandemic and everyone's just kind of doing their best and here's where I'm at kind of album. Like it was very honest, I think, which was nice. Um, a lot of super catchy songs. Some, there were a couple that were like just okay. Um, but all of the heavy hitters on that album blew me away. That's like my regular, um, I'm making dinner or I'm, you know, working on chores around the house. Or I just need something on in the background while I'm working on something kind of music that I've been listening to. So that is, yeah. Probably the one that I have listened to the most this year. And Al can testify to that because every time we're sitting down to have dinner together or we're in the car, I'm playing that album more or less. So there is nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, it's one of my favorite albums of the year as well. I'm, I'm pretty sure every fan of Correspondent actually has that somewhere yeah. near their top. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah. 
There's other indie music that like I've discovered this year that's a little bit older, but as far as, you know, albums that have actually come out this year, that's that's got to be my favorite. I got you. Yeah. Jenny, what is your album of the year? Um, it was hard to pick. Mm-hmm. There was like all of my like some of my favorites, Adele and John Mayer, of course. Um, but I've got to go with Happier and Ever by Billie Eilish. Okay. Yeah. Ooh. Um, yeah, it's so good. Uh, uh, you know, she's getting a lot of hate. A lot of people are calling this her flop era, and I'm like, where? Um, but it's mostly just people online because I feel like critically, everybody's like, no, this album is like superior. Um, every song on it, I relate to in some way. Um, I think her voice sounds the best it's ever sounded. Um, the lyrics are really well written. It's just, uh, it's just a great, great album. I highly suggest it, especially if you grew up listening to like emo music. Um, the style isn't emo, but the lyrics definitely are. So I love that. Um, so yeah, that's yeah, that's my album of the year. Okay, nice. I, I a couple of the times you picked me up from work, that has been playing pretty consistently in the background. So yeah, yeah, yeah that's. And it is, it is a great album. Um, Al, what is your album of the year, my friend? Your album of the year, if you will. Oh, oh, goodness. Anyway. Yeah. Walk off the podcast. I want to blame you at this point, man. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Well, I'm recovering from that. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, there were, um, there were a few really good albums this year. Um, Op Rock was definitely one that um, was on current, um, constant rotation, um, in our home. Um, uh, there's a new album, um, by Billie Eilish that, that Jenny talked about. There's a new album by, um, Lord as well that I liked. Um, there was, um, uh, I was tempted when I was going back through the albums um, I listened to this past year that came out um, and how I liked them and how I felt about them. Um, one of the standout albums, um, especially as far as pop culture went, uh, was Sour by Javier Rodrigo. And um, I have a love-hate relationship with that album because um, there's about 30 to 40% of that album that makes me very excited for what she does next. Um, Good for you is a terrific song. Um, Brutal is a terrific song. Um, I really wish the album was way more like that. Um, Like those kinds of songs and those kinds of vibes. Um, um, And less like, um, um, like Ivers license and songs like that. Um, I feel like uh, while those kinds of songs aren't bad, I feel like it kind of held the album back from being something very unique and being something very fresh. Um, so I'm really excited to see what she does. She's kind of my artist to watch in the next coming years because I think she really has a potential to be really, really awesome. I do a lot of really, really great music. Um, bless you. Uh, but um, I think my album of the year, um, though, uh, basically came down to two rap albums. Um, it came down to The Off Season by J. Cole, which is a terrific album. 
and it came down to the one I'm going to give um, just a little bit of the edge to, which was um, the self-titled album um, by Vince Staples. Um, I think Vince Staples is uh, very quickly, but surprisingly quietly, I feel like, as far as like the mainstream culture goes. Um, very quickly, but very quietly becoming like one of the top five artists, um, um, at least one of the top five hip hop artists alive right now. Um, his output is so consistently good. Um, and not just that, I really feel like every album he puts out, um, offers something new and offers something higher quality than the last project he did. And you don't see that a lot with artists. Um, so I'm going to go with, um, um, yeah, the um, album um, from this year by Vince Staples, which is just um, called his name. It's called Vince Staples. Um, yeah, he's he he's another artist um, of mine that I'm just like, I'm I'm really excited to see what else he does because he's already elevated um, his music so much over the last couple of years. So I'm going to go with that one. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I really like Vince Staples. I had no idea an album this year. I had no idea. So I am going to have to. So I, I am also going to go and listen to that and enjoy that. Um, yeah, I will it's terrific. keep you all updated on that. Um, Josh, you want to talk about Planet Her for a little bit? Or what's your what's your album of the year? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm a, how, how is no one else talking about Doja Cat? Doja Cat. There's just been so much good music. It's Doja Cat, I've man. That's. Doja Cat. That's all yeah. you, Josh. That's yeah. uh, no, it's, you, it's your thing. Um, yeah the the uh, the constant uh, the constant joke uh, around the family correspondence is my completely and totally undying love for Doja Cat. Um, but I, look, Doja Cat. Uh, even if you want to make some jokes about uh, her earlier stuff, uh, Planet Her is a really, really good album. Um, very, very strong album. Uh, it, pretty much exactly what I kind of expected it to be. Uh, one of the things I do like about Doja Cat is is there's this kind of new wave of disco that's happening. Uh, Dua Lipa is using it quite a bit. Charlie XCX does it quite a bit. Uh, and Doja Cat's about as good as anybody at, at incorporating that into her music. Um, I don't understand. I, I, I'm not someone who really. I, I don't know what makes a good rapper. Uh, uh, very clearly, uh, but Doja Cat has fantastic rhymes on her on her albums, and she's really grown from this kind of like joke rapper into someone who who can really carry a verse and make an iconic verse. Um, I'm not going to say she's anywhere near to like, you know, run the jewels or anything like that, or even very, or Vince Staples, uh, but she has really grown as an artist and yeah, Plant Her is a really good album, uh, apart from, you know, my just clear bias towards her. Sure. Um, but you know, there's a lot of good albums here. Um, I like to say, I really, really love Plant Her. Um, Al, I, I really like Vince Staples, uh, self-titled. Uh, I I would give the edge uh, a little bit to Tyler, Tyler the Creator's uh, "Call Me If You Get Lost," uh, which I mm. think was a fantastic follow up to Igor. Uh, kind of because um, I think he's Tyler Creator's really has 
is really going into these situations now where he's doing these theme albums. Call Me If You Get Lost really is a fantastic uh, uh, album that thematically follows what's happening in Igor really well. So I really enjoyed that. Uh, obviously, Sob Rock uh, was fantastic. Um, and then I love Japanese Breakfast uh, uh, album this year, uh, which was really good. But my favorite album of the year actually was the War on Drugs uh, album, um, uh, I Don't Live Here Anymore. Um little different reason Alyssa talked a little bit about you know having this um having this album that's like what's it like being in the middle of this pandemic uh and sob rock is really you know dealing with it and uh kind of processing um processing emotions as they're happening right now um war on drugs is really with i don't live anymore has a really this really interesting relationship with nostalgia on the album where the the songs are very much about you know think things before the pandemic but almost in the sense of like but we can't continue to live in the past uh, which is what the song i don't live for anymore is about uh, the self-titled track um so i really really love war on drugs um if you know i, I love albums that have fantastic guitar work um that band is about as good at layering guitars as any band that's that's ever existed, to be quite frank. Um, and uh, they do these really great long guitar and you know uh, guitar and and uh, uh, synth breaks in the middle of their songs are just really bring you into um, into what they're doing. So yeah, I, War on Drugs uh, that was probably my favorite album this year. But still go listen to Doja Cat. Yes, of course. Yes, naturally. <laughs> of course. Um, so I actually had two as well. Um, and and if anyone else, Jenny or Alyssa, if you guys want to talk about more, more out, because me, Al, and Josh all just went like, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff that we liked this year. Um, <laughs> I'm going to, so I hope everybody's free. ready for the whiplash of Olivia Rodrigo and Vince Staples because it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> So feel free to jump back in here in a second if you guys want to talk about other albums that you enjoyed. Um, but the two that struck me this year, okay? So I talked earlier about how I wanted to, most of my picks this year were things that moved me emotionally. And both of these albums moved me both for different reasons. The first one is the more recent release, and that is An Evening with Silk Sonic. By Silk Sonic. Um, if you do not know that band, it is Bruno Mars and Anderson Pock. Um, and if you do not know it, then you do not have a TikTok account um, because Lord knows, um, leave the door open and uh, smoking out the window have been all over people's different TikToks and videos and reels on Instagram and everything, um, and rightly so because both of those are. Beautifully written, really good rhymes, really good beats. Just it's it 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 an out. Al- it's an album that grabs you, and you feel like you have to move while you are listening. Like like you you do not have a choice. Like you have to dance, you have to boogie, you have to move, you have to do something. And no song off that album does that more than Skate. I have had Skate stuck in my head 
so many times since I've since I've heard that album, and I am not upset any time that it happens. I, I'll I'll just hear Bruno Mars just say, you know, skate to me, baby, and then and then in the background they go skate, you know, and it's it, it's just great. I'm I, I I love it so much. Cannot say enough good things about that album. Go listen to an evening with Silk Sonic. It's like thirty three minutes. Not long enough, in my opinion, but just long enough for you to sit down, enjoy it, and 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 just groove, you know. Um, the other album that I've chosen um, doesn't have as many grooves, um, and if it does, um, don't let it take away from the important messages of the album, and that is Until the Shakes Apart by Five Iron Frenzy. Um, Five Iron Frenzy is consistently one of my favorite bands pretty much of all time. They were, they were a contemporary Christian ska band in uh, the late '90s, early 2000s. They went on a pretty long hiatus after 2004. They did like two other albums, I think, in the early 2010s. This is their first really, really big album, um, and they hit the ground running. Um, the songs there there is a three song like back to back hit that is talking a lot about things that are happening in the modern world um trigger warnings on basically any political um discussions that you've had over the last two years um school shootings um the rise of the rise of the Confederacy again, which was annoying. Um, you know, that's it is kind of annoying. It, it, it is annoying, you know. Um, but they but they are talking about that on there, and they are absolutely fantastic. Not pulling any punches. They have no no intentions to. And the inter- what's the best part about it, in my opinion is that you can tell that these are songs that they they had seen enough of what was going on in the world and they said we have a platform and we have to use what people know us for the best way that we possibly can to spread the messages that we want to talk about and like i said man some of those songs hit pretty hard so do do not feel bad if you like listen to one and you're like okay we're gonna we're going to pause that for a bit and we'll come back to that later. You know, t- t- take your time. It's not so, so, so what you play. If you just want to groove, you just want to have a good time until it takes apart is, it's an album that if you want to really think about what's going on in our world today, um, and you want to feel pretty much, pretty much every emotion that like you can, then that album is for you. Um, because that album is just absolutely fantastic. Um, real quick, Jenny and Alyssa, did you guys have anything else that you wanted to add on albums this year? Since, once again, we took way too much time. I apologize. We weren't trying to cut you all out or anything. No, you're good. Uh, I mean, like, a lot of the stuff y'all said, I also listened to. Um, I don't really know if there's anything I would add. I can't think of anything. Alyssa? Um. Sure. Yeah. Um, there were a couple albums and a couple new bands that I found this year that I've been listening to a lot um, and trying to like get other people to listen to as well. Um, they didn't really come out within the last year, but it's more like 
similar to the video game thing, I'm a little bit behind on the times and just discovered them this year. Um, Notably, Hotel Mira. um, Great, great band. Um, Like the Killers, just a little bit more sad, (laughs) like I told told you all the other day. Um, I really want them to get really big so that I have a chance of seeing them in concert sometime soon. And I know that is a selfish reason to want a new band to get big, but it is what it is. Um, They put out probably their most successful album in, I think, February of 2020. Um, Yeah, and unfortunately, it was just a horrible timing thing because I think they would have gotten much bigger, much faster had it been any other year. Um, Yeah, that is not a band to listen to if you don't want your young children hearing bad language. But otherwise, um, great music, great vibes. Um, it's, It's good music for like, if you grew up with an emo phase that you never really moved out of, um, definitely that kind of band. So I recommend them. Um, but yeah, that's the other big one that I had for this year. I've been listening to you a lot. Nice. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I, I have not, uh, dove in on them just yet you did say that uh, a couple nights ago but i do intend to I, d- I definitely do intend to because i you 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 said they were like the killers and i already love the killers uh but they're more sad and you know that, that yeah that, that's, you know i i'm I, i'm i'm okay with that um yeah. uh, would you say uh Melissa, would you say they're more sad than the killers were this year because the pressure machine was a pretty sad album oh The music itself is more perky and more upbeat, but like they're self-described on their Instagram page. Um, They kind of do like the Scott Pilgrim thing where they're like, we're here to make you be sad and think about death and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of, kind of their thing. I, I would say they're probably not in as dark of a place as the most recent killers album like aesthetically but lyrically like they do not hold back so gotcha yeah all right well um so we we are going to talk about just random things that we that we didn't get a chance to talk about in a little bit i know this one this is kind of a long podcast uh thank you all so much for sticking with us um i do have one more fun category though um before before we get to that before we get to like our final thoughts of the year um so and this could be any subject matter any category your biggest disappointment of 2021 um and we are going to start with josh because i know he already has one ready yeah Um, so biggest disappointments of 2021 feel free to think about your answers um josh Take, take us away. So I know everyone is gonna say, is thinking I'm gonna talk about the Snake Eyes movie here, and I'm not because I knew 
very <laughs> the Snake Eyes movie was going to be bad. Mm-hmm. Like, and I told, I told Al several times it was going to be bad. I told you it was going to be bad, you Jake. Did? I told Jenny it was going to be bad. Uh, Alyssa, you know, if we had ever talked about G.I. Joe, I would have told you it was going to be bad. Uh, we should talk about G.I. Joe more. Uh, I know that's something you need more in your life is just me talking about G.I. Joe to you. We did uh, talk about G.I. Joe a little bit. Oh, did we? Okay, sweet. Well, well anyway, then I probably told you I thought Snake Eyes yeah. was going to be bad then. Okay. Um, because the movie very early on, they told us some things that were just not very Snake Eyes-like. Uh, that, For example, that he was going to talk. Uh, which is something that Snake Eyes kind of, kind of, in kind of all, all canon appearances. Not only talk. does he talk, but he's so chatty. Oh, like, he's, he's very right. chatty. Like, he talks a lot. <laughs> he is a chatty Cathy as a so, ninja. You know, um, uh, but I will, and, and also I can't be disappointed in in Snake Eyes too much because, once again, moments of being in the theater, uh, being with people I like are really important to me. And there was, a, like, Al tried to joke with me twice. <laughs> And then, like, saw how angry I was getting, and was just like, "I'm not doing this anymore." Like, <laughs> like that was that was amazing to me. Um, that uh, you know that Al was just like, you know what, we're just gonna we're just gonna sit and mourn together, like Job and his friends for a while <laughs> about this uh, about this movie. Um, but the no, the biggest disappointment to me because I actually thought it was going to be really good. I was so excited for this movie. I was just like. You should have ripped your clothes. Yeah, as just, you yeah, as you were doing it, just go just classical Jewish. Yeah, just, just rip your clothes. Put sackcloth on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, the 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 biggest point to this year, just in general, uh, for me, because I thought the movie was going to be great. I was so excited. The way people talked about the way the people that were in this movie talked about it, like gave me hope because they seemed excited about the movie themselves. Was the Mortal Kombat movie? Uh, we've I, we've already spent an entire podcast talking talking about how much I didn't like the Mortal Kombat movie. Um, but there was just such disappointment um, because the things that I would have thought would have made a Mortal Kombat movie really interesting, things like Scorpion, you know, mm-hmm. just is not in the movie. It mm-hmm. like is, has, you know, five minutes total in this movie. And uh, just the way they did stuff, you know, the there was a real... Uh, there was a real disingenuous kind of marketing to this because uh, the way that they discussed how, you know, their version of magic works in this movie and all this stuff and, you know, what they, you know, what the Mortal Kombat actually is and everything is just does not have anything to do with the video games at all. Um, And, you know, and so the marketing around this movie was based around Scorpion and Sub-Zero and there's just very little of that. Um, you know, and instead you get another very chatty guy that has is not in Mortal Kombat at all, um, and that his superpower ends up being that he's just really bad at martial arts, so he gets punched a lot, so he literally gets magical armor Ooh. so he can get punched more, Ooh. and that's our main character. Yep. Um, so, like, I just that that was the biggest disappointment to me because there was such a you know, there was just so much I could have done with that movie. Um, there was so much fun it, that we could have had with it. Uh, the first trailer was just so, you know, just so great, and it ended up just being such a bad movie. So that was my that was my biggest disappointment of twenty twenty one. 
Um, since I did spring this category on everyone else, Josh and I talked about this a little bit last night. Um, I am going to go ahead and do mine, and I'll give you all a little bit more time to think. Um, my biggest disappointment of 2021 was the Wheel of Time uh, television series on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, Snake Eyes was going to be uh, a rough one. I will readily admit that Snake Eyes is bad, but... Like Josh, I kind of had my thoughts that it was not going to be um, what I wanted it to be. So I kind of went in knowing that. Wheel of Time, on the other hand, I am annoyed with how excited I was for that series. Um, I have read just the first book. I am not one of those who's like, oh, they're changing up the entire series. Blah. You know, it's not even that. It's the thing is, is that by the end of the first book, I genuinely care about pretty much all of the eight main characters that are there at the end. Um, At the end of the first season of Wheel of Time, one of those eight main characters is apparently dead. Um, One of the other main characters has been separated from the group and we don't know where, why he's going, where he's going. Um, Whichever way the, Rivers flowing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and honestly, it's to the point where I don't care about any of the TV characters. Um, and that's an issue for me. Um, and I, and I know it sucks to do these kinds of comparisons, but obviously with this kind of series, it's going to happen by the end of season one of game of Thrones, you have a genuine general idea of who to root for, who you want to see in the next season, who your favorite character is, even the characters you don't really like, you're like, well, at least they're interesting. So I want to see where they go. Um, But at the end of this, it is very much just a, we wanted to dip our, our toes in the fantasy series pool as well. And it is very much a paint by numbers kind of situation where it is. Oh, here's a dark force. Here's a dark Lord. Hope these guys can stop them. So on and so forth. And it is very, bare bones in my opinion um i was not a big fan of it It, the first like four episodes i was like okay they're they're kind of setting up some interesting things the next two episodes were interesting because i think they were moving certain storylines that happened later in the books earlier but then by the time they are doing the kind of final battle of the first season when the last two episodes i was pretty much just mentally checked out entirely um I will watch season two. I'm going to continue reading the series because I do want to see where the series goes. Um, But this first season was a massive disappointment to me, unfortunately. Um, And I will admit a large part of that might have been influenced by the fact that I had already watched The Witcher season two before watching the second half of Wheel of Time. But all the same, still, it's just it. It's just a disappointment. Um, and, and following certain interviews with some of the creators, it makes a bit more sense because some of them even said that they didn't want to do certain things, but the company themselves said that they wanted to have more, more violence, more sex, more Game of Thrones-esque stuff. And that kind of shows. Um, so, so yeah, so Wheel of Time season one is my biggest disappointment of 2021. It's unfortunate, but we carry on. Um, who would like to start of of you three with um, 
I can start. Um, yeah, okay. Mine's pretty simple. I was, I don't know. I'm not the kind of person who like really gets disappointed easily. Um, so it was hard to try to sit here and think of like things that I genuinely got upset about. And I don't know if like I have anything as serious as yours. Um, I was kind of, I'm sitting here with this book in my lap right now. Um, looking through it and still just in awe of this, but I was disappointed in the reception that the Treasury of Dragons D&D book got. Um, and like Al told me, um, welcome to the D&D community, because <laughs> this is an entire like couple hundred long page book about dragons and dragon variations and different monsters, creatures, effects, spells, magic, hordes, anything dragon related. It's just like a compendium of cool dragon stuff. And everyone, not everyone, but like a big part of the D&D community gave a ton of like just a ton of crap about this book because there were things in it they didn't like or the take on certain aspects of some of the dragons they didn't like or um for instance there is an elder brain dragon um which is cool as hell it's a cool and people did not like that it's a cool dragon um and my take on that is like okay you don't have to use it like this is an addition to the game like things you can put in if you want to um and people are like, no, screw Wizards of the Coast. They don't know what they're doing. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so um, that was like a little bit frustrating to see because, again, like it's just this big book full of cool dragon stuff. Um, and a lot of it, you know, maybe no one ever will actually use, but it's there and it's written out. Um, so, yeah, that was just a weird you know, more disappointed in the community than the actual thing that was put out. So. No, that, I that's... I would like to say I told you about Wheel of Time, though. <laughs> you, you did. Yeah, yes, yes, you did. Yes. And uh, I could have listened to you from the get-go. Um, yeah. as, as I should do more often, anyways, with if Alyssa says something, honestly. Um, but... Um, but but to your point, uh, no disappointments with communities that that does happen. As we do say, fandom is for everyone. We try to be as welcoming as we can with everything. But those kinds of discussions do happen. Um, yeah. And the thing is, is that to me, a an entire book on dragons just sounds great. But I'm fairly easy to please with certain things like that. So you know, and and I'm also a D and D novice. I will admit that. Um, but all the same, if 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 someone's going to go to all the trouble to put an entire book together about dragon stuff, just just let it be. That that, that sounds awesome, you know. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. Um, Al, what was your what was your biggest disappointment of twenty twenty one, my friend? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I do love the one that Alyssa chose. Um, as much as I adore um, Dungeons and Dragons and how much um, entertainment and, and overall fun I have with the game, um, the community can be one of the rougher communities um, and fandoms that I've 
um, I've seen. Um, I'll never forget when when the Tasha's um, Cauldron of Everything um, supplement came out for Dungeons and Dragons. Um, the whole premise of Tasha's book was basically, hey, you know how sometimes you feel kind of restricted by like um, certain kinds of character races or um, or stat bonuses that you might have or not have access to. Well, now if you want to, here's a way to play the game where you can be any kind of character you want. And like 80% of the fan base of Dungeons and Dragons was just like, screw you. That's the worst thing ever. I don't want any part of that. Uh, <laughs> just, just the approach of you can be whatever you want to be in this fantasy make believe world. And so many people were just like, absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> Interesting. It's incredible. There was another like very similar thing that happened more recently where um, they're changing the game because, you know, over the years we've come to realize like having specific racial traits for different types of characters like Dragonborn or Tieflings, things like that, to where um, their alignments are like typically you know, an evil alignment or a chaos alignment, something like that, um, that's very problematic. And so they've changed the game recently to where they don't say, you know, this specific race of creatures is typically evil or typically a bad race. And people flipped out about that as well. Like, oh, no, you're taking away our alignments. Like, no, that's not what's <laughs> happening here. But yeah. It's it can be a rough community. Yeah, but. it's true. It's it's best enjoyed with friends. Um, yeah. I'm not sure any kind of fandom will come close to what we've seen come out of the Star Wars fan base the last few years. But um, Dungeons and Dragons comes <laughs> comes pretty close sometimes. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting question because I don't really like. Um, I don't know. I don't usually engage with things that um i don't know enough about to know if i'll enjoy it or not um occasionally like things will come out that i usually enjoy that just aren't great um and that's always sad but um i don't know i don't get over hype about um like brand new things very often and um i'm sure a lot of people are expecting me to talk about the cowboy bebop um adaptation um, that came on Netflix this year but um I haven't watched all of it so um I don't like to talk and critique things that I haven't um fully experienced yet so um I'm not going to talk about that here because I just haven't watched all of it yet um but I will say um one of my blossoming um fandoms um loves over the last couple of years have been star wars uh, we're doing a new podcast series with jacob about it um, i love star wars um and it was emotional whiplash when there was a recent announcement that there was going to be a new star wars game and it was going to be a new adventure um it seemed to be the high republic era um so all kinds of potential for cool new characters and adventures and lore and stories and all kinds of new stuff seem to be the fresh air that um, s s s s our wars could really blossom from and thrive under. 
um, to then be slapped upside the face um, that it was going to be directed by David Cage, um, who is one of the grossest individuals in the video game industry, Um, uh, which is saying a lot considering the things we have found out about some of the CEOs um, and managers within the video game industry the last couple of years. But um, still, he's up there. Um, that was really disappointing to hear, to have something I, um, I really care about and was excited about, um, to learn that it was so closely associated with, um, a person who I so wholesomely detest, um, as an individual. Um, and there's already been rumors and news coming out of that studio saying that, um, the development already is going poorly. And um, the project will probably be pushed back without even an initial release date even talked about. Um, Which, you know what? I don't hope for failure within projects very often. But for the sake of David Cage, I hope that game fails. And I hope we don't ever have to see what he would do (laughs) um, to Star Wars. Um, Because, yeah, I just don't need that kind of energy in my life. Um, so here's a, here's a rare, um, sample of just raw negativity, um, out of me here on the podcast, um, where I just, I just hope that game fails. I hope it, it doesn't ever see the light of day. Fair, fair points. Um, hashtag blackout star Wars eclipse at that point. Um, mm. yes. Um, Ginny. So, uh, I don't really, so I had a couple of disappointments this year, but like, I feel like they were all predicted. So like, mm. was I actually disappointed or was I just proven right? I don't mm. know. It's kind of hard. Mm. Like Snyder Cut was one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Suicide Squad for me personally. Okay. Um, and Eternals. And, you know, those are my big three, I would say. Um, uh, and then like people in general, uh, in 2020. <laughs> well, no, really. People in well, general. Like, kind of like That's fair. About fandom and stuff um there was one fandom in particular uh, that um you know if you know me you know that i always talk crap about this fandom it's the taylor swift fandom mm, right mm, so like mm. uh, <laughs> i don't know like Spicy. i don't want the fandom correspondence to get canceled over this because i know how sacred taylor swift is but so you know she released red and um red is arguably like one of her best albums and i don't like taylor swift but that was a really good album all too well was a really really good song like by Mm. itself it got slept on a lot right Mm -hmm. and then he brings out like this like 10 minute song about uh he releases a 10 minute version of it which is kind of funny but like the thing about it that annoyed me was how the fans reacted towards who the who the song's apparently about and i it's apparently about jake gyllenhaal and the way that everybody tried to cancel him over a three-month relationship that was 10 years ago was really kind of disgusting to me. And she didn't, like, try to, like, say anything about it. She just allowed bullying to happen between Jake Gyllenhaal, Jake Gyllenhaal's new girlfriend. And don't get me wrong, dude's probably a gross person. I get it. But I just didn't like the mob mentality that, um, that she elicits with her fans. It's very Trump-like. And uh, I, don't, I don't like it, man. I don't like it. That was disappointing. So, yeah. So, people, I guess. Ooh, okay. That's just one example. <laughs> gotcha. That's just one example. Yes, you, you've got many more, um, I'm sure. Okay. Gotcha. 
Well, that does bring us to our very last part. Um, does anyone have any kind of closing things to add? I know Josh has one. Does anyone else have anything that they want to add? Kind of uh, wrap up 2021 at the end. Um, Good year I don't for know. media. Good year for yeah. media, yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know if I have anything uh, to really say about 2021 that hasn't already been said. I'll say that I'm really excited for a lot of things coming out um, in 2022. I think it'll be um, a great year for fandoms. I think it'll be a great year for fandom correspondence. I think there's a lot of um, potential with upcoming projects there. Um, so I just want to thank everybody who hung out with us um, last year in 2021 and gave us um, a new listener base and um, a bunch of support um you guys are awesome and you're a big reason of why we do this um um as much as we do so so thank you everybody Woo. yeah wow. Alyssa, anything to add dear um i'm just really excited to officially be a part of this now um yeah. kind of been on the sidelines and supporting and hyping you guys up for the last couple of years. So I'm just really happy to happy to be here, happy to be involved. Um, go play Stardew Valley. Woo. Woo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we are very, very happy to have you with us as well, Alyssa. You've been a great addition to the team, and we're I'm personally very excited to have you on different podcasts throughout this year. Um, I know I know you're definitely gonna be on at least one one episode of uh uh EU or EU because we we need the 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 lead Thrawn fan of the group to uh, oh, I forgot to talk about Thrawn Ascendancy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we need yeah. hashtag Team Thrawn. <laughs> hashtag Team Thrawn strong here at. Well, we can, we, we we could save that for the later. Uh, what we do in the that opening Star Wars podcast here in a couple of weeks, so we can we'll save that one for for that. Um, I'm looking forward to that one. I think you should just let Josh and I get drunk and duke it out over Thrawn. I'm, I don't tempt me. I'm fully prepared to let that happen. <laughs> um, but on that note, Josh, why don't you close this out, man? I know you got something you want to talk about. Yeah. After 2021. So I'm a, um, I'm, I'm a sort of lapsed pro wrestling fan, which is kind of weird. Uh, I, I like to use the word lapsed because that's tends to be how, uh, like Roman Catholics will describe themselves when they don't go to church anymore. And that's kind of how I feel about wrestling because wrestling, um, I've said several times, if there's a if there is a toxic fandom uh, to counteract comics, it's pro wrestling. Pro wrestling is probably the most toxic fandom out there. But there was actually something really, in my opinion, wholesome that happened in wrestling this year. Um, there's a wrestler who I've I followed his entire career. His name was CM. His name CM Punk. Um, and he started out, uh, in, uh, 2002 and, you know, was on the wrestling indie circuit. Um, and he was just kind of a guy that, uh, everybody was rooting for, um, just kind of this homemade kind of dude, um, who, you know, worked his way up and got into the big time and he made it all the way up to WWE, which is the, the big, the biggest wrestling company there possibly is. And he got to WWE and, you know, People loved him and everything, but, um, you know, without getting too much into politics or anything, WWE does have a really kind of, most people would consider it a very bad work environment. Um, there's a lot of, um, you know, politicking that goes into things. 
there's a lot of issues uh, with as far as like safety. Um, you know, in WWE, all the wrestlers are considered uh, private contractors, so they don't get things like health insurance and uh, stuff like that. They can be fired on a moment's notice, all that type of stuff. Okay. And so in 2014, CM Punk uh, wrestled one last match and then just goes home. Um, he was arguably one of the biggest wrestlers in the world. He just kind of goes home. Um, and he's like, I just don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to even have anything to do with wrestling uh, ever again. And so there's this underground current of people who really want to see CM Punk come back, wrestle, get involved in the wrestling community again. And there's another wrestling organization called AEW. Uh, and this year they signed CM Punk and they signed him uh, to a big contract and everything. He came back um, and Basically, like if you want to see just a purely like fan service moment, okay, just go to YouTube and look up CM Punk comes back to AEW. Um, just type it in, you should get it uh, because they had him come back and come and appear in Chicago, which is his hometown crowd. And it is one of the best like ovations. I've ever seen in wrestling and it was just there, you know, in 2021, there weren't that, you know, many, you know, like what we would call wholesome homegrown moments. Like most of the wholesome moments we had were in these moments where like of escapism almost, you know, like what, with what we talk about video games, comics, um, you know, uh, you know, TV shows that we love and everything. There are these kind of escapist moments um, but this was a really nice homegrown moment uh, that meant a lot to a lot of people um, and then meant a lot to CM Punk for him to get in the ring and talk about his seven year absence and how he spent that time, you know, trying to get himself mentally well because he realized he wasn't mentally well. And, you know, if that's a big moment for professional wrestling, because most professional wrestlers, you know, are not mentally well, you know, they, they, it's a, it's a struggle they have, uh, with, with this, you know, thing that they do and to hear him get in the ring and talk about that and bring that to the forefront. Um, to me, that was a moment that, you know, I, I realize might not resonate with people who aren't wrestling fans. Um, but it was a purely, you know, good moment, uh, that happened in 2021 and was probably, you know, probably, probably one of my favorite just little time capsule moments of the year. Excellent. Yeah, no, I I love CM Punk, and I was happy to see him back as well. Um, yeah. That, um, on that note, we are going to end this. Um, 2021 was, uh, as Jenny said, and as we've pretty much all said, was a pretty solid year for media and for entertainment. Um and we would also like to hear from you. What were some of your favorite moments of the year? So feel free to hit us up on social media, whether it's on Instagram or Twitter or whatever. Um, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, once again, as Al stated, thank you all so much for hanging with us this year. Um, this was one of the biggest years we've ever had as fan of correspondence. You guys blew us up on Spotify, and I don't even have the numbers from iTunes, but Spotify alone made me very happy to keep doing this. Um, and that's because of you guys. And thank you all so, so very much. Um, we love you all. We've got great plans coming for you for 2022. 
always remember that fandom is for everyone. You guys are the best. Have a good night. Be safe. And for perhaps the last time, Cowabunga. <laughs>